Good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Oh, here we go. Right. Glad to see everybody. Glad you guys are here. As you can hear, man, this is a busy time here at all seasons. A lot of things kicking up. Uh, busy October as we're in the fall gear. And some of you may be excited about this, some of you not. But, you know, right around the corner, right after all of that, it's going to be the holidays. So things are starting to get busy really quickly. So we hope that you're plugging in, that you're listening to what's happening, that you're following all of our social media accounts. Check the info desk. Make sure you're plugged in. You don't want to miss all the exciting things we have going on here at All Seasons. But I want to get into the Word at this point. And I thought Brother Jeff was about to preach my sermon. So if you're wanting some more confirmation, Brother Jeff, this has been something I've been wrestling with all week. And I think they're going to mesh hand in hand. So I'm excited about that. I've been dealing just in my personal study, and I've actually been leading a study recently on this uh, topic of peace, of becoming a peacemaker. And, and no, I'm not going through and just rehashing. I didn't get lazy this week. I can already tell and sense some of you are thinking, oh, I see what you did this week. No, no, no. I was actually trying to stay away from that because I've been reading about it so much. But even in my devotional material that was completely unrelated to the book that we've been going through on Wednesday night and just in the things that the Lord has been dealing with me with this week, which has been a, a crazy week, um, He just keeps bringing me back to this idea that we are, are meant to live in peace. Amen? You know, Brother Jeff just said, how many people wake up every single day just buried and dealing with anxiety and worry and stress about everything and anything that this world has to offer? But I'm here to tell you, regardless of the circumstance we're in, we as God's people were meant to live continually in peace. It doesn't mean that everything's going to necessarily be peaceful, but we are meant to live in peace. Even Jesus said, and this is just sort of auxiliary and background, okay? I mean, Jesus said, I, I, you've heard me quote this many times from this stage. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon, Blessed are the peacemakers. We're not only supposed to live at peace, but we're supposed to go and make peace. Peace should be something that reverberates from our life. In other words, anywhere we go, should, we should have that calming presence. Anybody ever heard, you've ever been around people or, or have heard somebody say that about you? You're just a good calming presence. That should be us as Christians, amen? Now, it's easy. We love to talk about living at peace, but this is where it gets hard, so I knew it would get quiet there. But here's the, the thing I want to deal with today. The, the problem is, is we we're all called to be peacemakers, not necessarily peacekeepers, but peacemakers. We were called to, to be people who, who perpetrate peace in our lives. But the problem is, is we can't make peace if we're not at peace. You can't create something that you don't have. Does everybody understand? You can't, you can't provide peace to the world if your life is in constant chaos within. So that's what I want to talk about today. Before you can make peace with other people and we can bring peace to this world, which we all want, we all want to live a, a life of peace. We want world peace and all these types of things. But we can't have any of that until we figure out some things and get our lives in order and live a life of peace. So can you, can you stay with me today? I hope, I, I believe this is going to make sense. I know the Lord has given me some things. It's, it, it's kind of a lot of different scriptures. I'm going to weave them together, I believe. But if you'll stay with me, I hope that you can understand how we can be at peace with God. And that's where it starts. I want to take you first to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 48, if you'll go there with me. Now, obviously, again, a little bit of quick context 
here. Again, don't, don't, don't zone out yet. We're going to go somewhere, I promise. But a little quick context. Isaiah was in uh, the time of day where he was speaking to the people of Judah, the people of God. The problem was is the, the, the people of God, Judah, they were people of God in name only. And that's another sermon I could preach, but I'm, I've got a lot too much to cover to go down that rabbit trail. But the, the people of Judah, they had the name that they were the people of God. The problem is, is they weren't really acting like it. They weren't following God. They weren't following his commands. They weren't doing what it was he commanded them to do. And so God allowed them to go into captivity by the Babylonians. They were taken prisoner out of their land and into slavery. And so Isaiah is a prophet of the Lord. And these people who are saying, hey, we're the people of God. Why are you allowing us to go go through this? And Isaiah begins to speak here in verses 17 and 18 of Isaiah 48. And he says, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, The Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river. Everybody say a river. That's important. This is one of the first times in the Bible there's a couple of places where we see peace And it's compared in a simile right here or as a metaphor to a river. It's not something that's stagnant. It's not a one-time thing. It's a river. He says, your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. So the prophet told, even in the Old Testament, we're talking before Jesus, and we're going to talk about Jesus here in a moment. But even before, the people of God were told, There's a key to you living in peace, and it means you obeying the commandments. you doing what you're supposed to do. A big reason why we don't live at peace is because we're not doing what we're supposed to do. That's a very blanket statement. And you're thinking, well, PB, what do you mean? I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm not a sinner. I'm talking to us, the church. There's a lot of time even us aren't living in the peace that God has designed for us to live in because we are trying to swim upstream of where the Holy Spirit is going and the peace that He wants to give us. We're constantly trying to fight against it. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but understand the importance of this. He says, if you'll obey, you'll have peace like a river. And then in John 7, let's flip forward. When Jesus would later come to the earth, He's talking to His disciples. And again, Several times he mentioned the fact, again, we just heard a scripture just a moment ago of how it would give us peace, but look at what John 7 says. This is on the last day, that great day of the feast, the feast of the Passover, Jesus stood up and he began to cry out. Now, I think that's kind of important. It didn't say Jesus stood up and reverently said. He said he cried out. I just woke somebody up and scared you. I'm sorry, but that's what Jesus was doing. He was crying out. This was passion. This was important. Are y'all with me today? He cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow what? There's that word again. Rivers will flow of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those unbelieving in Him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But what Jesus was speaking of was the coming of the Holy Spirit that would come once Jesus 
died and then he rose again and then he ascended to the heaven. We know that he told his disciples the last thing he told them before he went into the sky. He says, just wait, Terry, you're going to receive power. That power came on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And from that moment, the Holy Spirit and filled the believers, those who professed in Christ, they were infilled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. And from that moment, they had rivers of living water on the inside of them. Now let's talk just a minute about rivers and then we're going to move on into to this. A lot of you have probably seen a river, right? You have been to a river? And the Mississippi River, not too far from here. A lot, of, a lot of times we like to go and we think of a river as just a place to have fun, right? Most people I talk to, I talk to kids every weekend. Where'd you go? I went to the river. What'd you do? To, well, I went to the river and we went tubing. Yeah, I mean, we go to the river and we have fun. You go out there and get on a boat and go around, you fish and do things like that. But I, I think sometimes we in, in kind of 2021 Western America forget about the importance of rivers, especially in Bible times and, and even in pioneer America times. Can y'all, can y'all stay with me for just a moment? Think about where the greatest cities, even in, if you look in America, we can just take America. Where are the greatest cities located? On the rivers. Why? Because... When America was founded, you needed to have a port. You needed to have a way to transport goods that you were producing out to the ocean so you could send them somewhere else. You needed rivers so you could dig irrigation and you could plant crops. I mean, why? again, the delta, why is it so fertile? Because of a river. Y'all with me? I know y'all thinking we didn't come to geography class today, but, but again, bear with me. The importance of a river, if you didn't have water, you didn't have life. If you didn't have a river, you couldn't survive. I even thought about it in thinking about the importance of a river. If you don't stay near the river, you, you, you die. Can I give you one quick example? You probably have heard this before. I remember this from ninth grade Mississippi history class. And I'm going I'm to do, I bet some of you know. How many of you ever heard of Rodney, Mississippi? Anybody? Okay, a couple, couple, couple of hands. That's good. Rodney, if you haven't, let me teach you something. Rodney, Mississippi is a little community. It's about 35 miles north of Natchez, Mississippi. And in the 1800s, Rodney was like the fastest growing town in Mississippi. It actually grew to the point that where they had a vote when Jackson was elected to be the state capital, Rodney lost that vote by only three votes. You believe that Rodney, Mississippi, which a lot of you, raise your hand and say, I've never heard of that, was almost the state capital. You know why it's not the state capital? Because there's nothing there right now. You know why there's nothing there? It's pretty interesting. Go look it up. Go check me, okay? Rodney, at the time it was formed, was literally on the river. It was a port, just like Natchez and Vicksburg, not just like St. Louis to the north, which grew to a great port city, just like New Orleans down to the south, a great port city. Rodney was growing. It, it, it had grown to, in, in the 1800s at the time, to about 5,000 people as a population, which at the time was huge. But something crazy happened in the mid to late 1800s after the Civil War. A huge sandbar kind of formed in the Mississippi River. And if you know anything about a river, does a river just stop? No, that river's flowing. It's still going. It's still moving. Well, this river hits this sandbar, and it redirects. It, redir- it moves. And basically, the river had to form a whole new path and redirect itself. And so Rodney, which was a thriving city right on the river, looked up, and by the late 1800s, 
was about three to four miles off of the river now. Some of you are like, wow, it's okay. And you know what happened to Rodney? Soon it dried up. It had these great buildings. You can go look on the internet. There's these great pictures of old buildings uh, that they built, great architecture. All those things have even been moved from Rodney. You can go to Vicksburg to the Civil War uh, Park and you can see all those things there. You see what happens when the river stops flowing? We stop living. Things die. I'm here to tell you today that when the river of the Holy Spirit quits moving, when we get out of His flow, when we quit listening to Him and allowing ourselves to follow after His wisdom and His path, that's what happens to us. We look up and realize we're no longer in the river and our spiritually we begin to dry up. And that's when we become susceptible to worry and we become susceptible to stress and we start fearing everything that's happening. I'm here to tell you there's a river that's still flowing. We need to make sure we stay in the flow. Amen? So with that Holy Spirit, that river of living water that's on the inside of us comes, what Isaiah said was peace that flows also like a... That means that I have a stream. When the Holy Spirit's on the inside of me, I have a stream that no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what this world looks like, I can continually be at peace. That's powerful. Let me show you kind of how Paul described this, and we're going to kind of dig in a little bit deeper right here. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We have to understand that peace is a very precious possession. How many times did Jesus say, he, he told his people, when he, his disciples when he came in, peace I give to you. If Jesus said, I'm giving you peace, then I probably need peace. If, if, if it's something Jesus is giving, I want it. The Holy Spirit's a gift, peace is a gift. These are all things that I'm promised, I want them in my life. So Paul's writing to the Romans in, in chapter 5, and he begins to talk a little bit about this. Notice what he says here in verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have what? Come on. I know it's early, but you're awake. We have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you have to understand the importance of this verse. This verse is kind of a pivotal point of the book of Romans. Again, you go back and read Romans 1 through 4. It's kind of a tough read. You know why? Because Paul's talking a whole lot about sin. He's talking about conviction. He's talking about what's going to happen at the end. After this, he's going to talk a whole lot about service. He's going to talk a lot about sacrifice. He's going to talk a lot about sanctification. But right here is sort of the pivot point of this book. And he begins to talk about the fact that we all have been given peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. As we said, this world is looking for peace everywhere. Amen? The world is engaged in a look for peace, and they'll, they'll try anything. We try to find peace from how many social media likes we can build up. There's people who will sit at a bar every weekend and try to find peace with how many drinks they can put down to forget about their problems. They think that's peace. Or at a party where there's a lot of things going on, and they're surrounded by people, and their loneliness can be covered by a short amount of time. Anybody listening? There's people who try to find peace by looking at a computer screen or at a phone screen late at night at things they know they shouldn't, just trying to find a way of escape. Everyone's looking for peace. They're looking for peace to see how much, if I can just get this amount of money and I don't have to worry about this many bills, I'll just be at peace. My life will be that much better. If I could just have the, the, the right house in the right location. 
But I'm here to tell you the problem is none of those things provide the peace that we're looking for. You can have all the stuff and you can have all the substances and you can not even understand that you're alive and still be in conflict with yourself. Peace with God is the most important peace of all. You can search this whole world over, but you'll never find anything that will provide you the peace that a relationship with God will find. So at least the three questions I want to answer for the next few moments, all right? Is everybody still good? There's three questions I want us to look at and not answer. First of all, how do you get this peace? I've been talking about peace. I'm telling you, it's a river that's, that flows like living water, so how do I get it? What is this peace going to do for me in the future? What's the benefit? Why do I need it? And then... The third question, what is it going to do for me now? So let's dig in through here. What did that verse just say? How do we get this peace? Well, peace is ours through faith in who? Jesus Christ. That's a hard lesson. You can't find peace by getting the attention of that special someone, right? There's nothing wrong with having a special someone. I have one that's at the beach right now. She'll be back tonight. I'm excited but it's not going to give me peace. Give me excitement, but not going to give me peace, right? I can't find peace through my job. Can't find peace from a paycheck. And this is difficult. I want you to understand and don't misquote me. You can't necessarily find peace here at church. Just coming to church alone and sitting on the pew is not going to provide you the peace. Some of you have been struggling. You're like, man, if I could just get... And listen, I'm glad you made this statement. Again, don't miss... I'm, this is a step, okay? So don't be discouraged. If this was that first step and you said this week, man, if I can just get there, you're here. Praise God. But I need you to understand there's a, there, there's a little bit more you have to go. You have to take it a little bit further to find the peace that you're looking for in your life. Listen, here's some other things that won't bring peace with God. Being sorry for your sins won't necessarily bring peace. Now listen to me, do you have to, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you, you have to confess your sins, you have to know you're a sinner. Those are all good, solid theology. I mean, that's the Bible, right? But just because you did something bad and you cried about it doesn't mean that's it. Because there have been plenty of times in my life, can I be real, where I've done something that was bad, I messed up, I was convicted, I, was, I felt all of that and I cried, and then went and did it again. And then went and did it again. And then went and did it again. Why? Because all I did was feel the conviction and shame, and I, and I cried about it, or I, I felt the sorrow, and I recognized it, but I didn't go any farther. Is anybody listening today? Is this good so far? And again, please don't, don't, mis, don't, don't misunderstand me here. Let me be clear. Just coming down to an altar and talking with a pastor, or even kneeling, those things alone can't give you peace. Because again, there have been plenty of times I've come down to an altar, I've wept, I've, I've, you know, I raised my, I did all the things that I thought you were supposed to do on the outside, but I took everything with me and I never confessed and laid those things down. You know what happened? I didn't have peace. You can follow all the rules. You can keep all the Ten Commandments. You can do all the religious stuff. I don't watch those movies. I've got that filter on my TV. We don't drink that stuff. We, we don't go to those places, and those are all good. I mean, I, I believe all that's good. You shouldn't do some, there's a lot of things you shouldn't do. But those things alone won't give you peace, because if that's what you're dependent on, you're just going to be living a miserable religious life. 
And again, please don't misquote me because this is a very important step and it's huge. And Pastor just preached an incredible series just about a month ago on the power of prayer. But prayer alone can't give you peace. Are y'all listening? Prayer alone can't give you peace. It's a step. But peace is only going to come when you finally get to the point that I'm going to put my entire faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. You see, when you come to church and you allow the Holy Spirit to convict you and you use that as your moment to profess your faith and put it in Christ, then that's when you're going to start to experience peace. When you decide, I'm going to change my life and I'm going to follow what God has told me to do and I'm going to do it because that's where my faith and trust is, guess what? That's where you're going to begin to, to, to see peace come into your life. When you begin to pray and you're declaring your trust in God because that's where your faith is, then that's when you're going to experience peace. I'm here to tell you, you can't manufacture the peace that you need to get through this life. It has to come through Jesus Christ. So here's the question, who can have it? Everyone can have it. Amen? Everyone can have it. Everyone who believes. Everyone who believes and puts their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ can live a life of peace. When can you have it? Well, the moment you put your faith in Christ, the Bible says that, what do you say right there? Having been justified. You see, the, the beauty of the gospel is this. The moment when I proclaim Jesus as my risen Savior and I say I believe that he, he died for my sins and He rose from the grave for me and I accept His atonement of over my sins and I make Him the Lord of my life and I declare that with my mouth and I believe it with my heart, guess what? The Bible says at that point I become justified. That means that before all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, I'm a sinner in the sight of God. I'm not worthy to be in His presence. But the moment that I accept Jesus and His blood washes my sins away, I have been justified. God says that I am worthy to be a part of His kingdom. Anybody listening to me this morning? And from that moment on, I am worthy to have the Holy Spirit to come and indwell in my life. I can live with that river of living water and peace that's flowing constantly. I no longer have to live again that life of worry and worry about battling everything with my strength. I have the strength of God on the inside of me. I should get somebody excited at 8 o'clock. So how do I become justified again? Justified by faith. You have to believe. Who do you believe in? Do you have to have faith in Pastor Bradley? I hope not. I mean, I appreciate, you know, I appreciate if you do, but that, that's not going to get you anywhere. I love you all, and I, you know, I, like I said, affirmation and things, those are kind of a love language. I appreciate those things, but that's not going to get you anywhere. It's not faith in Pastor Lot. It's not faith in all seasons. It's not faith. It's faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. And look, let me go further because this is the world we live in. It's not faith in any God that you find more comfortable it's Jesus and Jesus alone. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through... It's not Allah. It's not Buddha. It's not some new age thing. It's not through you finding your best self ever and, and, and self-actualization and all that stuff. It's through Jesus alone. 
So the first step today, I'm telling you, is if you're living a life and you're like, Pastor Bradley, I, I, I just feel like I'm constantly in conflict and I'm constantly dealing with something. I need peace in my life. The first thing I'm going to tell you is you need to check and allow the Holy Spirit to, to search your heart. Where is your relationship with God? Have you truly made Him the Lord of your life? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So if you're sitting here today and you're like, I, am, I, I need to experience that peace, the first step is you accepting Jesus as your Savior. Amen? Now here's the second thing. So why do I need this peace? What is this peace going to do? Well, let me, let me give you this important point. Peace allows you to anticipate eternity. Peace allows you to anticipate eternity. Look at verse 2 of Romans 5. Verse 2 says this, So we've been justified through faith. We have peace there, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Here's the, the key. If you don't have the peace of the Holy Spirit in your life, you don't have the peace of God on the inside of you, then obviously anything past today, if you start looking into eternity, you start looking into the big picture, it's not going to bring any hope. It's not going to bring any anticipation. You know what it's going to bring? Fear. It's going to bring worry. You're not going to be able to face the unknown of the future because you don't have hope. Listen, without peace, you know what lies ahead in eternity? Hell and judgment. And let's be real. If we know that's what we're about to face, none of us are going to get too excited, right? It's easy to get excited about Christmas is coming, but we're not going to get too excited about hell and judgment coming. That's two different things, right? But when I have the peace of God, I know where my future lies, amen? Here's another important thing I need you to understand. Every step we take, every heartbeat, and I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, y'all understand, and I'm not trying to be diabolical, but here's the truth of the matter. When you're not living a life of peace, you're constantly worried and afraid of what's coming. Oh my goodness, I don't know what's coming this week. Oh, I hope, I hope we just have a, have a normal week. Oh my goodness, November's coming. I, oh, the holidays, I don't want to... Oh. Oh my goodness, I better, I better, find, some, better find some money quick. These, these, these folks are going to want some Christmas presents. <sighs> Am I talking to anybody yet? <laughs> oh my goodness, we got an election coming up in a couple of years. If something don't happen, by God. My goodness, the signs of the times are coming. We don't, you know. That's where we get. We like we we can't. We're worried about what's going to happen. What if something happens to my family next week? What if what if something bad happens and and tragedy strikes? I'm here to tell you, and again, not being doom and gloom, but can I be kind of realistic? Is that all right? This is just who I am. If the Lord tarries, we all going to die, right? The Lord tarries, we're all going to face that. And so, yeah, I, am I am I necessarily looking forward to that in my flesh? No. But here's the beauty of it. Whatever happens to me, I can have peace about that because I know who has my future in His hand. The Lord has my future in His hand. So if I'm in the river and following the flow of His Spirit, I can be at peace. Without peace, we're not prepared to die. And we're all going to die again should the Lord tarry. 
I'm, I'm praying for the rapture every day. If I be honest, I've, I'm looking forward to that. But if, if the Lord tarries, we're all going to face the fact that we're going to be lying in a coffin. Again, not trying to be doom and gloom and grotesque, but just being real. Is that okay? And here's the reason why that becomes so fearful for a lot of us. We're not really prepared to live unless we're prepared to die. We can't fully live here on earth unless we're ready to die. Unless, if I've got eternity taken care of, if I know my place in eternity, I know that, that, that I have a home in heaven in the presence of God for all of eternity, that changes the way I look at things here on this earth. No longer do I have to worry about storing up all the junk that, that the world tells me I need for success. I know there's a better place coming. Man, if somebody could grasp this today... So we can't be at peace until we're sure of heaven, and we can't be sure of heaven until we're at peace with God. Peace with God enables us to look forward to the future. We can think about the mansions that He's prepared for us. I can sit here and think of my loved ones, my grandfathers who are sitting there waiting for me that I just, man, I just miss talking to and getting wisdom from them. They're over there, and I, one day I'm going to get to see them again. Just thinking about the opportunity to spend as much time as I want to around the throne room of Christ, giving Him glory. I can think about that because I know where I'm going. So once you get peace with God, not only is it going to give you peace for today, but it's going to give you peace about what lies ahead. Now here's the third point I want to get to today. Peace with God gives you an understanding of life. Peace with God is going to give you an understanding of life. Let's go to verse 3. Verses 3 through 5 here in Romans 5. And Paul starts writing this. He says, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Oh, that's fun stuff. Knowing that tribulation produces what? Perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character gives hope. Now hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. You see, the beauty of having peace with God, having the Holy Spirit and that peace that passes understanding flowing in our hearts and in our spirits is that we begin to understand that everything we face here on earth has a purpose behind it. No longer do we get into the, the situation where we want to get into depression and anxiety, where, and I'm not making light of those things, but where we become so overwhelmed by the future and the trouble and the turmoil ahead, we can have peace knowing that everything we're facing has a reason. I don't know about you, when I know there's a purpose, it helps me bear it a little bit more. Listen, I, I'm in schools every day. I hear this every day. I used to say the same thing when I was in school. How many of you take a test or you're studying that material, whether it's some sort of higher level math, or my kids, it's when am I ever going to write an essay? You ask the question, when am I ever going to use this in life? What's the point? When, there's, when, when no point is understood, how much effort is going to be given? Maybe here's a better way to say it. If, there's, if, if the reason isn't understood, where's the motivation? 
I believe the same thing spiritually happens with us. We think we're just going through things. The enemy wants you to get into that victim mentality so bad. Woe is me. Nobody else has to deal with this. It's only me. God, why don't you like me? Why am I the one who's being put through all of this turmoil? Why do I have to suffer? Why can't I have it like everyone else? And you start forgetting about the purpose. You're just forgetting about the circumstance. You're just looking at the circumstance on the surface. Does that make sense? And in that moment, you start, there's no motivation to move on. You want to quit. You don't say, there's no use. I'm just going to, I'm just going to stop. I, I, I give up. There's no use in life. And that's not where we're supposed to be. Amen? But when we can understand that everything we go through in this life has purpose. I'm not telling you God's going to send you tribulations, but He allows you to go through tribulations. Because what did Paul just said? Without tribulations, we don't know how to persevere. Most of you probably have worked in the jobs. You know that you really don't know if somebody's going to stick for, you know, until they can stick out some hard, hard times. Again, I'm in education, and I don't, you know, mean this in kind of a, a snarky way, not in a judgmental way, but, you know, as I've, I've been in, around in education for 14 years, I could kind of see when teachers come and teachers go. We can sort of tell, you know, that... that that, that teacher's not going to make it too long. It's nothing wrong against the person, but some people, it's, it's kind of a thing, probably like many jobs. You don't really know teaching until you get into it. I mean, you think you know it after you've went through school, but you don't know anything, right? You just get in there and you're figuring it out. And some people get in there and they figure it out and they realize, whoa, this is not what I wanted. I'm going to go do something else and make a lot more money. And I applaud them. They do good but you could sort of tell that, you know, at times, again, not judgmental, but I'm kind of iffy on that person. I'm not sure if that person's going to, to make it. Why? Because, you know, they may have had all, said all the right things. They knew all the right knowledge coming out of school. But once they really had to face the grind of doing it every day and they had to face the hardship of, that, that comes with it and it, it, they realized the real life aspects of the job, they weren't willing to persevere. Is this making sense? The same thing is going to happen in your spiritual life. God's going to allow you to face some heartache to see because it's easy as soon as you know. I say it's easy, but I've seen this in, in the church. I've been around long enough, man. People come to Christ. They give their life to God. And, and there's that sort of uh, almost like a marriage, almost a honeymoon period where, man, they're just high on the Spirit of God and everything's great and they're fired up. The moment life starts to happen and they realize it's not all candy canes and rainbows as maybe they thought, People are quick to give up on God. But I'm here to tell you that those tribulations, all those do is help build our perseverance. We're able to, we're able to, to keep going a little bit longer. It's going to make us patient. And then when we're patient, we start to have experience. We kind of know how to handle things. And once we have some experience, then you have hope. Look, I'll be honest, I was that teacher those first few years where some, you know, you're, I didn't expect to have to deal with this. You could have quit and moved on, but, you know, the Lord said, no, persevere. Through that perseverance, guess what I started gaining? Experience. Have I, do I know it all in the classroom? No. But, I mean, I've been around long enough now to where, okay, I can handle this. And now that experience gives me hope. 
I don't come into every school year just afraid, oh God, I don't know if I'm going to handle this. I have some experience and hope saying, well, even if it gets difficult, I probably can figure some things out. Does this make sense? The same thing will happen in your spiritual life. When you start getting victories and you start overcoming the enemy and you start overcoming obstacles and you start getting victories, when the devil comes at you and says, well, this is it, you might as well give up. You're going to say, no, devil, I didn't overcome this. I might as well keep going. And then hope doesn't disappoint us. Once we get to the point we have hope in the Lord, we know that He is true. And the Holy Spirit will then fill our hearts with love, which will help us be confident even in trials. Confident that whatever we're facing, the Lord's going to help you overcome it. Amen? Let me show you a couple more scriptures. Can I do that? Philippians 4. Let's go to Philippians 4. Paul writing here to the Philippians in verses 6 and 7 of chapter 4, he says this, very familiar, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When the enemy starts coming at you and throwing all of those things that worry and stress you out, If you'll go to God, if you'll give it to Him, and you'll rely on the Holy Spirit, that river will start flowing again. And that river is just going to carry you through. He'll give you that peace like a river. And here's another true thing about a river, if I could go back to that metaphor. Rivers aren't necessarily going to be always easy rides. Amen? Rivers have bends. There's logs. There's sandbars. There's falls. I mean, if you've ever canoed or rafted, you know there's rapids and things like that that make the... The ride may be a little bumpy, but here's the cool thing about a river. Once you're in the river, you're going with it, right? I don't have to worry about where I'm going. It may seem rocky at the times, but I can trust I'm going to get where I need to get. That's the way that our life with Jesus is, our spiritual life. There's so many people here today, so many people in our world today that are worried about what's to come and where I'm going. But I'm here to tell you, here's one thing I can promise you. I can't tell you what tomorrow holds, but I can promise you that if you will follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, His peace will overtake you. He'll lead you exactly where you need to be. Amen? Let me show you one more Scripture. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. And He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, guess what? I'm strong. Now listen, you... You may think that, Pastor Bradley, this is all easy for you to sit here on a stage and tell us here on a Sunday morning about how we should just be happy and trust God and have peace. And all that sounds great. And Maybe to some of you it almost sounds like a fantasy world, but I promise you I'm speaking from someone who has had to lean on this principle. Even this week. Can I, can I share with you a little bit? Is that okay? I said last Sunday is when I talked with Pastor and he you know, said that I would be here with you today. And I said these words. 
I said, that'll be great. This will be a good uh, fall break. This should be a good peaceful week for me. I, I, have, I should be able to get something ready. It, it should be great. <laughs> Let me tell you a couple of things that life threw at me this week. I got word that a former student of mine, her brother who was in his mid-20s, tragically dies of an overdose. I have to go to a memorial service and honor and try to encourage those people in the Lord. And that's, those are things that I do. In the middle of getting ready of that early Monday morning, I get a call or a text from my mom. My dad's been rushed to the hospital. They think he's had a heart attack. He's two and a half hours away. I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. A lot of hurry up and wait as they're trying to figure out, well, did it happen? Did it, what, what was it? Going through all of that, some things that, things at work, some things I had to get done, sort of change, dates changed, and so that added a little bit of stress. Top it all off, on Tuesday, my, I found out that we're getting my dad moved from Natchez to Jackson. They do confirm it's a heart attack. We had to go pick up my special needs brother so he could stay with us so they can deal with all that. And Got home kind of late Tuesday or, or Monday nights when all that happened. Kind of got home a little late. And again, head spinning, wondering what's going to happen. Wake up Tuesday to go to work. And there's sort of the cherry on top. You know how things happen, right? Tire on my car, completely blown out. Just flat as a pancake. And I don't know about you. you I'm, I'm in a room at 8 o'clock with a lot of real spiritual people. I know all of y'all would have just been saying, well, hallelujah, glory to God. I'm going to be very honest. Can this okay? I'm just going to be real. It was in that moment where I'd almost had all I could handle. And I stopped and I said, God... I don't know what you're doing, but please stop. <laughs> then he kind of put his hand on me, and I kind of, he told me, he said, son, chill. He may not talk to you like that, but he talked to me like that. And he said, son, chill out. You know, a lot of people I've, I've grown up where a lot of people would have just blamed that on the devil. Man, the devil's been after me all week. And I'm not saying the devil wasn't involved. The devil definitely got into my mind. He got into my, to my ear and tried to, Tell me that, yeah, this is about to be a tragic. Your life is about to change forever. Tried to tell me that, oh, see, you, you must be doing something wrong. It's no use. You need to quit all this stuff you're doing. He may not talk to you that way, but he talks to me that way. And if I didn't have the peace of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, man, I could... I, I don't want to over-dramatize it, but I mean, that could have been a moment where I could have just lost it. I could have became bitter. I could have said things to my family that I didn't need to say. I could have said things to God that I didn't need to say. could have made some brash decisions. Just the stress and the worry of it all. And I'll be honest, it could have driven me to things that I know I've gone to in the past to try to relieve that stress, that word of God. Anybody listening to me today? But the Holy Spirit in that moment, just in the right time, reminded me that I have peace. It wasn't a peaceful start of this week. It was as chaotic as I've experienced, just to be honest. And I'm not telling you that for any pity. That's just all of us go through those seasons. It was just one of those. But in that moment, the Lord put His hand on me and I began to feel a peace I couldn't even explain. The memorial service for that student's brother... It was beautiful as they proclaimed the goodness and grace of God even in the midst of that tragedy. My dad, 
Could have been tragic. He told me, he said, man, I thought that was it. Thank the Lord. He had one stint put on, went home the next day. He's hoping to be in the house of God today. We'll see. I told him to say, you know, chill out, but he's, he's hoping to be in his church today. And the flat tire, <laughs> the devil didn't know. I live a half mile from the tire shop. I was one minute late to work. Here's the point. When all of life comes at you and circumstances start throwing everything they can at you and they try to get you all discouraged, <laughs> when you start to proclaim the goodness of God and allowing the peace of God to rise up, there's nothing on this earth that can stir you. There's nothing that can overtake you. That river is going to take you to where God wants you to be. My goodness. Let me close. God is inviting all of you to live at peace today. Again, does it mean that your life is going to be perfectly peaceful with no more difficulties, no more situations, no more terrible circumstances? Absolutely not. I wish I could tell you that. And again, don't, don't, don't leave here saying that PB was doom and gloom today. No, I'm just telling you, there's going to be circumstances we all have to face. But Jesus gave His life so that we could live at peace. I will show you one more verse. Verse 6, Romans 5 and 6. Y'all bring that back up. Romans 5 and 6 says this, For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. It doesn't matter where you are. Maybe this week has been a tumultuous week. Maybe you've been in just a long season, not just a week. Maybe you've been in a long season where it seems like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. And the enemy's just been in your ear and beating you down with worry and fear. The anxiety has been strong. I'm here to tell you there's peace. Will you stand with me today? If you'll bow with me for just a moment. Again, I will make another plea. I say a plea, but I... I the first step to finding that life of peace is to allow Jesus to become the Lord of your life. You have to proclaim and profess Him as your Savior. You have to surrender your heart and your life to Him. You have to make Him the Lord, not just in word. You have to make Him the Lord of your life. So listen to me today. As Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, if you're here and you say, Pastor Bradley, I need to make peace with God. I need to ensure that I've made Him the Lord of your life. Today's the day to do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Bradley, I've been saved. and I know that Jesus is the Lord of my life and the Holy Spirit lives within me, but maybe, maybe I've allowed the river to get dried up and clogged up. Maybe just I'm just in that season where I've kind of neglected my personal time or maybe just things have gotten busy not because I've purposely done it maybe I've just gotten so busy and so bogged down with the cares of life and the worries of life that I just need that river to start flowing again I need a refreshing of the Holy Spirit so that I can have that peace in my life let me invite you today if this is you I want to agree with you in prayer there are people that will agree with you in prayer I'm going to ask if you're here and one of these things apply to you. And 
You want to agree in prayer, I'm going to ask you to come make a step forward. You don't have to. This isn't the manipulation thing where we feel like you have to. And I promise, I don't feel like you have to step out in order for me to be successful today. But I want to provide the opportunity. Sometimes just making that step is a, is a signal to God that we're serious about His peace coming into our hearts. So as I pray, if that's you, would you move today? Father, Lord, I thank you today for all that you've done. I thank you for your many blessings. I thank you for the peace that passes all understanding that we've been given. Father, the world loves to promote and proclaim all the chaos of the time and all the division. And Father, a lot of that starts within. A lot of your people are living with internal conflict today. Father, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that has not made you the Lord of their life, Holy Spirit, I pray you convict them today. Draw them to you. Lead them to a place where they can profess you as Savior and make you the Lord of your life. Father, if there are people that are listening to the sound of my voice, Father, who they just feel like they've been in dry seasons, they feel like they're at a place where they need that river to again flow. Father, there may be people listening to the sound of my voice that Father, maybe they've, they've been in the river. They know what, what it's like to follow your spirit. But Father, maybe they've taken some steps in different directions. Maybe they followed their own plan. Father, today, again, Holy Spirit, I pray that you convict and you reveal and you will draw people back to your side, to your throne. Father, we give you praise and we thank you for the peace that we have in you. In Jesus' name, And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. So glad that you are here today. Go give the devil fits this week.